When I first started my website, I felt like I needed something to help get traffic to it. After all, I had a great resource. I had built out a lot of pages onto my website, had a lot of articles on there for people to learn about the topic that I was talking about, but it felt like I was in a ghost town. And no matter what I tried, I just couldn't get people to the website. So I started learning about SEO and I did a lot of work, you know, learning every tip and trick and technique and tactic that any SEOs have ever used to get people onto the website. And I felt like Google traffic was probably the best way to get people to my site. What I've learned over time is that the best way to get people to your website at the start is not from SEO at all. That will come over time and it'll it'll build up little by little over time. But when you're first starting your website, there are better ways to get that traffic initially. I have an article that I really want you to read before we get into today's topic. It's at incomeschool.com slash my SEO experience. And what it is, is I, I show you my Google Analytics of my biggest website of exactly what Google traffic I got in the first month of my website, the second, third, fourth, you know, for the entire three and a half years that that site has existed. And then I plot on that graph kind of like a timeline what changes I made in SEO. And what you'll see is despite dozens and dozens of major changes that I've done trying to Im- to improve my SEO, it, I've never seen any kind of significant bu- bump or uptick in my SEO. It's just a perfectly straight line from, you know, two people that came to my website the first month through Google until now where I get tens of thousands. So I I think the lesson to be learned there is we need to pay attention to SEO because we want Google to be able to easily find the information that we do have available to our users. But if you're trying to find some kind of tip trick tactic to to beat Google at its own game and to to win in the SEO space to get traffic, you're going to be beating your head against the wall and you're not going to see the results you want. I think um, there are much better ways to get quick traffic, like working with Pinterest or starting a podcast where everybody's kind of on a level playing ground and you can get traffic immediately. Those are things that I'm going to talk about a lot in this podcast and other episodes. Starting a podcast, and that's great for getting new traffic because there you have the new and noteworthy section that all podcasts get great exposure from. Or Pinterest, where you don't have to even have many people following you, where you can make a pin and it just spreads so virally. In fact, over over the last three years, I have an equal parts traffic from Pinterest as I do from Google because I've done a good Pinterest strategy. And that's something I talk about in this podcast. But today I have all questions from readers and listeners to this podcast talking about SEO, and I'm going to share the things that I have learned. Let's get started. Let's make today the day you start the business that will change your life. You'll learn how at Income School. Income School is about taking your income into your own hands by creating a website that people will love, building a following, and earning a living online. And now your host, Jim Harmer. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Income School podcast. 
I'm really excited for today's episode because I get to hear from you and talk directly to listeners from the podcast from all around the world. So let's hear this first Hi, question. Jim. I'm Tim from Doylestown, Pennsylvania. I have a quick question for the Income School podcast. I've been running my site for about a year now, and the traffic is just really, really low. I only get about a thousand per month on the site, even though I follow tons of SEO blogs and social media tips. But nothing seems to be working for me. I have about 25 high-quality articles on my site, and it loads really quick. But no luck in terms of traffic. I can't decide if the idea for my site is just bad or what. Any ideas for me? Tim, I, I'm going to give you a little bit of tough love here. I, I, I don't want to hurt you or, or make you feel like, uh, like you're nothing, uh, but I do, I do really want to help you. And, and if you want my honest help for what you can do to get, to get better and to improve your, your business, it's going to have to be tough love. If you've been doing your, your website for a year and you have 25 articles on your site, you're really slacking off. I think you're doing the same thing that I did. And that's why I think I can talk to you straight on this one is because I did the same thing. So I know, uh, I know what's happening here. You're spending a lot of time learning about internet marketing. You're spending a lot of time dreaming and thinking of ideas. But Tim, you're not opening a new post and typing. And that's how great blogs are built. If you want to build your income and you want to see great returns from your website, you're going to have to grind this out, Tim. 25 articles is not even close to what you're going to need to start building traffic. 25 articles is a great start, but I want to see you go into your WordPress dashboard and say posts, new posts every single day for the next six months. If you want to build a website off Google traffic, you need tons of content. Now, everybody starts small. I started with just zero pages on my website and built one after the other after the other. And somebody gave me the advice to write a new post every day for six months. That made a huge difference for my site. I probably wouldn't have had the confidence to continue my site into what it's become today if I didn't have that big flood of traffic uh, that started from one post and then two posts and three posts, that's how you build a great site. And I got away from that after a while. After I finished six months of writing an article a day, I had a lot of articles on there, over a hundred, and I thought, oh, great. I have this built out. Now I can work on other things. And for a long time, my traffic just wasn't doing what I was wanting it to do because I was focused on all the things that were less important than going post, new post, and typing. So, Tim, I'm going to give you a couple tips for what you can do to get out of this rut and fix this problem. The first thing that I'd like you to do is to go into Google Docs, start a new doc, and I want you to type it hit list. That's what I've, I've done for my websites. Every website I do, I, I do a hit list. And I just start typing headlines for articles, not the whole article itself, but just the title of, of each article that I want to write. For my website, I have well over 400 of those headlines now. And every time I think about a new topic, I always make it a point to head back to my Google Docs and type a headline. 
Now, what that's going to do is it's going to remove all uh, need for brainstorming before you write. You'll be able to just sit your butt in the chair and say, I'm ready to, to write a new post. Just grab the first one on your list. No, don't sit there for an hour trying, which one should I write? Just grab the first one, put it in WordPress, and go. Another way that I've done this in the past is by just creating a word, a new WordPress post and just writing the title and then just saving it as a draft. Then you have it all right in there, just ideas for articles. So the way that you're going to build up this bank, like I have 400 of articles to write now for my website because I've been doing this hit list for so long, is think of any topic. So let's say I am making a fly fishing website. I think uh, dry fly, okay, dry fly, fly tying, elk hair. And now I'm going to write a post about where to get good dry elk hair to use in tying a fly. And then you think, okay, now how do I keep that dry fly from sinking? Great, now I'm going to write a post about floatant to put on your dry fly. And then you're going to say, ah, actually, I've tried few a few brands of floatant before. And so I list out a review of brand A floatant for dry flies, review of brand B floatant, review of brand C floatant. And then you're going to say the best uh, lines that keep your your uh, you know your lines floating really well. I've tried a couple brands. I'm going to write reviews of them. And then you say ten tips for for using dry flies. When to set the hook when you're fishing with a dry fly. I could go on forever with that. I just want you to quick, quick, quick think of these articles. Now, is are you going to get a million people to go to the post? Uh, my favorite floatant for dry flies. No, you're not. It's not going to be like the big, you know, I'm, I need a new server because this crashed my old one kind of post because you're getting so much traffic. But there are people who are searching about the best floatant to put on a dry fly. I guarantee you in the world, there are probably a dozen or more people who today will type that into Google. And so some people are sitting on their couch, looking at their stats day in and day out, hoping they're going to get traffic. But the really successful ones are the ones who are typing right now the answers that those dozens of people around the world are looking for. So Tim, I'm giving you a little bit of tough love here, but it's because I want you to be better. You need to start typing. 25 articles is a great start, but you said you're a year into it. So I'm going to have to bust your butt a little bit. That's just not acceptable if you really want your business to work. And it sounds like from your question that you really wanted to do something. So that's how you're going to win in this space. Hey, I'm calling out the Income School podcast and I have a question for you. My name is James and I'm from Ireland. I got kind of a suspicious email the other day and I wanted to ask you about it. The email was from a guy who said Google penalized his websites for spammy links and that Google pointed out my site is one of the sites that has spammy links to his site. I checked and the links to his site appear in the comments on my site. He wants me to remove it but I've never really heard of this and so I was wondering if that means Google is penalizing my site as well or whatever that means to me. I've removed the links, but I'm not sure what else I need to do. Thanks for the help. Hey, James. So because Google decides your search engine ranking by how many links are coming to your website, among uh, you know 200 other ranking factors, but how many people link to you is a major part of how Google determines what site to rank number one and two and three and four. It says if a lot of people are, are linking to your site, it's like a vote for your website to go up. 
So Google decided it was going to crack down. I guess this was about oh, a year and a half, two years ago. It was going to really, really start cracking down on bad links. The way that this used to work is if if I wrote an article on a, a site reviewing vacuum cleaners and then I just randomly linked to, you know, a different website about uh, car cleaning in Cincinnati, Google says, oh, come on, you don't really want to talk about car cleaning in Cincinnati. Either somebody bought that link or somebody posted on your on your page a comment and just linked over there. So this much must must be spam. Yeah, you know, it has a lot of different factors to figure out what those spam links are. And so it used to be that Google would just ignore a link if it felt like it was spam. And then about a year and a half, two years ago, it just Google decided, all right, now we mean business. Now, if we find a bad link to your website, we're not only going to not care about that link and not have it bump you up in the rankings, we're actually going to take you down in the rankings for trying to spam Google. And so that's what's happening here is somebody has spammed your website. You know, you, you write an article and somebody posts a comment and it says, the best place to buy National Football League jerseys is on this website. And, the, and it has nothing to do with your website. So it's just spam. And they have probably autom- in an automated fashion somehow fa- happened upon your blog and they've posted this spam. Now, Google spotted them from a mile away or a kilometer away if you're in the if you're in the rest of the world. And they decided to not only not pay attention to that link, but they're going to punish that National Football League jersey website because they tried to spam Google. And so your website is unfortunately caught in the middle. And I've had these these requests before of from some of my smaller websites that I don't do a, as good a job of, of getting rid of the spam on, just little blogs that I've started for family or something like that. I have had requests before from people who said, hey, I spammed your website. I've got a link to you. Usually it means they hired a junkie SEO company who tried to help them and ended up hurting them by making these uh, bad links. And, you know, can you remove the link for me? And so... I never saw in on my website any kind of reduction or penalty for having spam there, but I'm sure this is also a signal to Google that uh, this guy isn't really policing his website. He's not trying to keep the spam off there. Uh, maybe this is kind of a lower quality, lower quality site. So I guess the, the answer to your question, James, is yeah, this probably is going to negatively impact your site. If you keep those links there, you should remove them from your website to get rid of that spam. But at the same time, on the websites that I have that have had these link removal requests, uh, I haven't seen any any reduction in the in the rankings. But they're very small sites that I don't really care about. And And so I I don't know that I have the best uh, data to give an answer from. Hey, Jim. I saw a video on YouTube the other day. In the video, he said that guest blogging is not good for SEO. But I seem to see people recommending guest blogging as a great SEO tool all over the web. Do you have any thoughts on guest blogging and if it's something I should spend more time on? Thanks. Bye. 
Great question. And this is a hot topic right now in the world of search engine optimization. So in order to build links, the probably the most pre- prevalent way that, that people have done it in the past is by guest blogging. So I'm going to write for Bob's blog. And at the end, I'm going to write a normal, useful article. And at the end of the article, I'm going to include a link over to my blog. Now, that has been a very white hat SEO technique. And when I say white hat, I, I mean, it's a an honest way. It's it's a legitimate way to get a link. Uh, whereas we talk about black hat SEO being like finding a trick or an automated automated way to build mass links to your website. So this is a white hat uh, SEO technique. But Google really shook things up just recently when it said, you know, guest blogging is dead. We better stop this or else or else we're going to come after you. And everybody kind of thought. Well, was very surprised by this because that's always been kind of the the white hat way to get links was to write legitimate content. Well, Google isn't saying that you can't have guest posts on your website and have your website do well. There are a lot of guest posts that are really valuable, and sometimes getting another author onto your website who is who is an expert in technique to write a good, legitimate article can be very, very valuable. But it's also used in the wrong way, and I get these requests. I don't know, at least one a day I'll get from some company uh, and a search engine optimization company that wants to write a guest post for my website and they just write these junky trash articles with no real content. You know, it's a real person writing it, like it has some value, but it's just not well written. It's not something I would be willing to post on my website. If my readers saw that on my website, they would just be like, what is this? You know, it's just general, very sloppy kind of, of posting. And so I get these requests all the time that I'm always turning down because the content isn't very good and they just want to get a link from a big website like one of mine to their smaller website to increase their rankings. So can you write a, a, bl- a blog post as a way as a link building technique? Sure, I guess that's fine. But I think Google is cracking down on this so much that if you're going to write a guest post, think of the benefit of it being that you're going to get a, a few people clicking on the link to your website and just the traffic from that. Don't expect to see huge returns anymore from just uh, from getting a link. Google's getting pretty good at knowing what's a guest post link and what's not a guest post link. And so I, I wouldn't consider this an SEO strategy. I would consider it a good networking strategy and a way to work with others to get people to your website. Hi, I'm Marco from Italy. I'm really working to get some traffic to my site and I know I need a lot more links than what I have now. I know I need to build high quality links, but the few sites I can find that allow guest posts aren't allowing me to post and I'm not really sure how to get links from other sources other than guest posting. What has worked for you to build up a good link profile? Okay, thanks for the podcast. As I mentioned before, I am not interested in SEO tricks. I have tried them. And not only does it not give you a a good return, it puts your site in an iffy position going forward if Google decides to to punish this, this, the whatever technique that you've used. And they're getting better and better at sniffing that kind of things out. I used to try to figure out lots of those tactics at the, when I first began my website years ago. And now I have just sworn that off. 
I'm making good content and putting it out there. But in my industry, I think especially there in the photography industry where I have one of my larger blogs, I don't see people linking to each other as often uh, because you want to keep traffic to yourself. And so sometimes I write really good content that gets shared all over on social media, but still nobody links to it. And so I hope that's the situation that you're calling about. That you're not trying to find a trick here, but, but you are just trying to find those links when you do have good content that uh, should be linked to, but kind of people are being stingy with links that, who would otherwise link to your content. The very best technique that I've found for this is old-fashioned networking. And so one thing that I'll do uh, periodically is I'll, if I find content on somebody else's website, I'll link to it from my Facebook page, which is going to send a good flood of traffic over to somebody's uh, to somebody's site. In fact, I have to kind of be careful when I link to somebody. I usually try to see if it's a bigger website because if it's a smaller website on cheap hosting, when I, when I link to them on Facebook, the Facebook group that I have is so big that it'll crash their server because they can't handle that much traffic. So I usually just link to the bigger sites now. Um, but when I do link over, they'll see a nice big push of traffic. And then I'll search out the the owner of the business or the blog's uh, email address. And I'll just email them just a, a quick email that says, hey, I'm Jim. This is my website. This is when I, what I do. I just want to congratulate you on a great article. I linked my Facebook group over to you. And that's it. And now, whoever you link to is going to like that. You just gave them some traffic and you acknowledged them for a job well done. Uh, They're going to like that. And so often they're going to return the favor. And if you do it consistently with others in your industry that you can trust, you're going to find those links coming to you regularly. If you're a blog island and you never work with other people, they're probably not going to work with you either. I used to be really bad at this. I mean, really bad. I, I didn't contact hardly anybody until my site was about year a year and a half into it. And even then, I only did it sporadically. Lately, I've been getting a lot better about this, about making friends in my industry, talking with other people, just you know, say, hey, can I friend you on Facebook and, and making a connection that way, uh, emailing them when I like a resource that they did, something like that. Just, you know, making those connections, being nice to other people around you. And it's going to, it's going to come back to you in good ways. That is the best way I have found for link building. And it's the most honest way to get links too. Uh, you're just being nice to others. And I promise you, it's going to work. You you can spend hours and hours and hours reading blog posts about how, you know, this awesome technique for getting links but if you just do some networking, you can get some powerful links with, and you're going to make some friends, people who can help you out and send you traffic in the future. I think that's bar none the best way to build links today. Hey Jim, my name's Jess and I'm from the UK. I really want to switch my site to responsive design for the SEO benefits, but I'm afraid it will be above my skill level. I'm just getting comfortable with WordPress and I don't know how to code. Are there any themes you recommend for responsive design? Thanks for the podcast. Bye. Hey Jess, great question and this is something that I've done as well. Responsive design means that when somebody goes to your website on a cell phone, the site automatically sizes down to that size of screen. So you don't have to pinch to zoom. Everything just looks the correct size and you scroll around on the website just normal. You don't have to do any side to side scrolling. It's just up and down. 
Or if you go to the same site on a desktop, it'll show the site normally on an iPad. Everything will be sized to that. And it's really nice when you have a properly done uh, responsive design on a website. Now, a lot of times I go to a website that's done with responsive design and I just think, ugh, I hate this mobile version. I just so wish you had given me the full desktop version and I can zoom in. But it can be done really well. And once I found some good themes for doing that, I did eventually switch over to responsive design. If you want to find out what theme I'm using and the themes that I recommend for responsive design, go to incomeschool.com slash WordPress themes. And I have my recommendations there for some of my very favorite responsive themes. So when I switched over, and this is on a large traffic website, so I can tell you with with a good amount of data, I did not see one tiny little appreciable bump at all in my SEO rankings for mobile devices. No change at all. So if you're changing over just for the SEO benefits, as you mentioned, just stop. Uh, If you have a huge website with thousands and tens of thousands of pages, then making these kind of tiny little tweaks can see you a nice bump in the rankings. But if you're like most blogs from, you know, 20 to 500 pages, uh, it's just so unlikely to see a change. And and my website has more than 500 pages and, and I didn't see any kind of appreciable bump in my rankings by switching to that. So that's the first thing is, if you're doing this for SEO, nah, it's probably not, you, you're probably going to find a better uh, return on your investment by doing things like just creating good content at this point. But it is a good SEO practice. It does make a, a better a better experience for the users. So it's easy to do if you find a good theme and I've already linked you over to where you can find my recommendations for a theme. But another thing to recognize is once you switch to responsive design, all of your work in WordPress just becomes that much harder. So let's say you find a plugin that will help you, that will give you columns. So you have two different columns of text. Well, now that you're using responsive design, what are those two columns going to look like on a cell phone? What's it going to look like on an iPad? What's it going to look like on a desktop? You make a new landing page. What's it going to look like on all of the different uh, on all of the different devices? Let's say you embed a YouTube video. Is it going to size properly for all of them, or do you or do you need to switch the embed code? So I guess what I'm saying is, when you do it, you need to be pretty confident with basic HTML and CSS and know how to tweak those things when it doesn't look good on one of those devices because I guarantee you you're going to bump up against that. You're going to find things that, oh man, this this looks great or it looked great how I had my website before but now it's it just looks terrible with responsive. So I would say hold off onto this project because the technology is getting better. WordPress is getting better at handling responsive designs. WordPress plugins, if you have lots of plugins on your website, they're eventually getting switched over to responsive design so that they'll work better on different themes. If you're not confident with tweaking these things by yourself, I'd probably say to hold off for a little while, you know, give it another year and then it's going to be an easier switch for you. Hi, Jim. I'm calling with a question for the Income School podcast. I'm doing something a little differently than what you do, but I thought you might still have some ideas for me. I have a website for my consulting business, and I'm not showing up as high as I'd like when using the search for the name of my city and consulting in Google. I've tried some link building using Fiverr as a resource, but I haven't really seen much improvement yet. 
So I, I guess my question is if you have any tips for helping me show up in my local city and not for general searches for consulting. So Google has a different algorithm for a general search query as it does for a local search query. So if I look for pepperoni pizza, if I just type that into Google, it may be it may give me recipes for making pepperoni pizza, somebody's blog post on their favorite pepperoni brand, lots of, you know, what temperature to cook pepperoni pizza in an oven, things like that. But if I search for pepperoni pizza, Caldwell, Idaho, which is where I am, then it's going to give me Papa John's, Domino's, Pizza Hut. It's going to give me more of what it thinks that I'm looking for. It says, oh, if I type pepperoni pizza, Caldwell, Idaho, I must be wanting to buy pizza. And so it's going to give me that kind of ranking. So if you're a local business, you you need to concern yourself a lot less with the general uh, general Google search, and you're you're going to work a little bit differently to get a ranking for your local business. The most important thing that you can do if you have a local business is to get your business lo- listed on Google Plus local listings, and you're going to want to verify your business. And then on every single page of your website, I want you to put what we call your NAP, your name, address, and phone number. And that phone number should be a local phone number. Every page of your website. So probably the most likely place to put this is in the footer, maybe in the right sidebar if you want your customers to be able to find you easily. But what that's going to do is it's a strong signal to Google that, yes, we are an actual local business. Um, and the reason that Google's suspicious about that is because, let's say, uh, Pizza Hut, they want to do better um, ranking in, in Google. And so they make a website for Pizza, pizza Hut Detroit, Pizza Hut Fort Worth, Pizza Hunt, Pizza Hut Dubai, Pizza Hut London, Pizza Hut, Mumbashi Balashi, who, you know, they're going to make all these different websites for different places so that it looks like a local company, but they may not actually even have something there. They just want to rank. And Pizza Hut's a terrible example because they actually do have websites, have uh, locations there. Uh, Let's say we're, we want to buy flags, a different company flags. Now, if I search flags, Boise, Idaho, I'm going to get one set of results. So a national company, may make a bunch of different websites for all those different cities and then make it look like a local site. But then when you get on it, they're asking you to order online. And now that would be a great technique for them. But Google doesn't want that. They want you to have a local business because it's the person who's searching is showing the intent to actually go to that store. So I want you to have a name, address, and phone number, your business name, your your local address. And if you don't have an actual place of business, just put your home address on there. You really, really need an address on there. It's absolutely essential. And then also put a local phone number uh, formatted in the normal way on every single page of your website. I have worked with people who are, who are local businesses that I've done web design for them. And I've seen immediate results from people who make this change. If you have a local business, be sure to be listed on Google plus local listings, you know, try to get a couple of reviews, things like that. That's helpful. But the biggest thing is name, address, phone number on every single page of your website. Hi, Jim. I just have a really quick question today. I was wondering if you could tell me your top five tips 
or at least just a few tips for ranking higher for a particular article, not just for the whole site. Now, what can I do to make a post really stand out and rank high in SEO? Thanks so much for the show. The first thing that I would, would recommend, and this is something that I have seen huge returns on, is making the that article that you're trying to get to rank high, make it long. Have a lot of content on it. Some others have found different results that they find a short, punchy article to do really well. Most of the time, I, in fact, I, I just looked through my statistics in preparing for this podcast, and there's almost a direct correlation between the length of my article and how well it's going to do on Google. The short articles that I have don't do nearly as well as the big meaty articles with lots of information and lots of links to other high quality places that's going to help you a lot so one from my experience give it some good length my very best uh, my very best articles are going to take you 6 or 7 minutes to to read they're long articles sometimes over 10,000 words and they do really well Uh, so that's the first thing is give it a little bit more more length than you you normally would second thing is make sure the outgoing links in that article are linking to uh, to websites and resources that are very narrowly tailored to that article that Google's going to be able to see that relationship between your link and the topic that you're writing about and make sure you're linking out to really high quality websites. So let's say I'm going to write about uh, the poverty, poverty level in Mexico City. I can either link to Ike's blog where he talks about poverty issues, um, or I could link to the, you know, the Mexican consulate or the Mexican Congress or whatever they have there, where it's a government website that has a, a resource on that link to the government website. It's showing Google that this is a well-researched article and, and you know, I, I'm doing, I'm linking to high quality stuff and this is high quality as well. So link to a high quality resource in there and don't manufacture links don't link just for the sake of linking but i'm saying if you are looking for uh for some kind of support for the things you're saying find a good resource to link people over to and that's going to help you as well and then another thing that i have found to give really nice results for me in the past and this helps the user experience in addition to helping your search engine optimization is make some dependent pages or dependent posts uh, that go along with the article that you're writing. So if I'm going to write uh, an article about uh, 10 tips for uh, for using the iMac uh, for photo editing, then I might write my 10 tips there. And then if tip, tip number five, there's like, oh, I could just go into, into this so far and write a whole article on tip number five, then I'll actually write a whole article on tip number five. Uh, and then I'll link in tip number five, I'll just write a short summary and then say, go check this article for more about this. Because then in that other article, you can link from your own website, that smaller article back to this website, to this article. So if in your website, you have uh, a lot of your pages linking to one one other page in your website. Google says, oh, this must be one of their their best pieces on their website because they send, tend to want to push people on their website over to this one resource over and over and over again. And I've found huge returns for doing that. I, I, I mean, 
big, big returns by by linking from other articles of mine to to uh, one main page. And I, I've seen a, a good res- result for that. It also helps because it's going to keep people on your website longer. You don't dead end them at the end of a post and just say, the end. You say, for more on this, go here. And then you're going to keep them on the website longer. So those are some of the things that I have found to really help for uh, one article. And that finishes our questions from the listeners today. I really appreciate all the questions that you guys sent out, sent in. Those are excellent questions. I think the most important thing that you can learn from today's episode is if you want to do well, if you want to win with your website and you want to stop dreaming and see results, then go post new post, and start writing. All of these things, all the questions we had today are good things to know about. They're good practices. SEO does matter. You want your website to be easily for users and Google to find your information easily, but there's no substitute for great content. So stop listening to podcasts now. Class is dismissed. Now go and write some great content. See ya. When you're serious about launching your website, check out Jim's free step-by-step tutorials at IncomeSchool.com. Income School is a production of Improv Photography, LLC. Any opinions expressed by guests and callers do not reflect those of Improv Photography, LLC. Results mentioned not typical. Some links mentioned are affiliate links where a commission is earned. Some calls simulated. Improv Photography, LLC is not a law firm and does not give legal or tax advice. Always seek the advice of a competent licensed CPA or lawyer licensed in your jurisdiction before making business decisions.